Salutations Woo! and welcome to the 20th episode of the In the House 20. podcast. 20 episodes 20 deep. Double uh, a double dime. Yeah. 20 full episodes. I can't think of a fancy word for 20. And and nor need you. So, we're good. All right. Well. At 20 episodes, I am your host, Evan Floyd. I am monumentally pumped to be here tonight, mostly because we have a great guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the triumvirate the will be triumvirate. in the house. It's uh, it's going to be great. In fact, it already was great. It already was. Through the magic of recording technology, we've already done the interview, and George Davis the Fourth, one of the all-time USL greats and USL Cup winner last yeah. year with the team, sat down with Andy and I, and we had a really nice time getting to interview him. Yeah, he was great. But uh, before I can talk to Andy about these sorts of things, mm-hmm. I have to welcome him, because otherwise he's just talking to you from who knows where. I know where. Coming to you live from a windmill in Vienna, Austria. Our man, my partner, Andy Frederick. Thank you. Andy, Thank you. welcome. Windmills are cozy. Are they? They are surprisingly noisy, though. Okay. A lot of, a lot lot of, sound. of creaking and cranking and a lot of... Vienna's great. It's beautiful. Okay. What? I've never heard anything but good things. Yeah. Well... Like we say, we've got George Davis the fourth on the show tonight. Mm-hmm. We're going to review a uh, Lou City victory, Woo! which we haven't gotten to say in a while. Nah. Got to review a uh, Lou City victory over the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and we're going to talk about the upcoming match against Charleston. We might tiptoe, tiptoe gently around uh, the U.S. Open Cup match next Wednesday. Yeah. And, Ever so gently. Yeah, just sort of uh, little hints of conversation about it. Yeah. We'll save it for next week, but. It's starting to get. It's, it's starting to get close. Yeah. It's getting real. Uh, no, we uh, we had George Davis the fourth on the show. One of the coaches. He answered a lot of questions for us, and we'll let that be the uh, the primary focus of this mm-hmm. of this podcast. But before we can know where to begin, we got to toss a coin. Yep. I'm going to do it. We're is this si- our third coin that we're on? This like is the this third is- different coin. We uh, we've been moving around location to location a little bit with these interviews and these uh, people. Yeah. The mayor didn't steal our quarter. He stole it. But but Pat did, and uh, my the quarter from uh, the mayor we had to have engraved and sent off to mm-hmm. the Smithsonian as a uh, reminder of the yeah. day. So I think he was going to wear it as a necklace for a while. Though. That was his plan, but I heard that the people at the U.S. Archives were. Eager to get their hands on it. Understandably so. So, here comes the coin toss, <laughs> and it's gone forever again. That little spot you got under your desk yeah, is and tricky. I don't know how to get stuff out of it. No, I don't either. But we could see in there, and it is a heads. It's a heads. Yes. Yeah. Which makes it now thirteen to seven in yeah. favor of tails. But so we've got a heads. Although that quarter is now lost for the ages. It's gone. Uh, I don't see a way I could get my fingers in there, no. despite the fact that the line, light shone in gently. I can't get my fingers in there. I have long, spindly fingers. You do. All right, So, but we've got a heads, so that means that we're going to talk about our game preview, mm-hmm. which the next game we've got is this Saturday, on the road, mm-hmm. going up to Charleston. Or over to Charleston. Over. Yeah. It would be like down and a little to the side. Down into the side? 
I think that it's slightly south of us. Welcome uh, to well, Geography Hour with Andy and Evan. Yeah, I don't know much. I'm pretty sure it's south, but uh, not that far. Not, yeah. And uh, yeah, and east. So yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go there. We're good. We're going to there. And we'll play our second game without the services of Coach James O'Connor. Uh, it seems to me like they played well in the last game. Yes. But maybe not as crisp. I don't think that that has so much to do with Coach O'Connor having not been there as it does have to do with uh, Tampa Bay playing a bit of a disruptive style. Yeah. Playing on the road. Tampa is notoriously tough to play. Yeah. And so uh, our form is, is it's hard to really judge. Mm-hmm. What we do know about Charleston, though, is that uh, they are on roughly the same run of form. Mm-hmm. In their last five games, they are the same as us. Three draws, one win, one loss. Mm-hmm. Now, they played... Their one win was over Toronto. And Which, uh, you know. I'm pretty sure there are really good high school teams that could give <laughs> Toronto some trouble. Not like... Uh, Toronto are professionals. They, right. would, they would beat normal high school teams. But a really good high school team would give them trouble. That's are they just dead last? Oh, they're not dead last. They are embarrassingly dead last. They're 17 games into the season and have managed three points on three draws. They have three draws and 14 losses with no wins. God, that is sad. That's really tough. Now, one of those draws is against first place Cincinnati, which is embarrassing for Cincinnati. For Cincinnati yeah. But uh, let's not throw stones until we've beaten them. So. Right. But uh, Charleston handled Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took a loss... Uh, I believe that their loss was to uh, Indy, and then they have oh. three draws in their last five, and that's that, that's a fine. I mean, that's fine. It's the yeah. same run of form that we're on right now mm-hmm. over our last five games. I'm optimistic that uh, our win came against a tougher team. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that you know about Charleston, though, is that they play well at home. They on the season. I think they're sitting in seventh, sixth, or seventh place right now, okay. which is not far behind us. Yeah. Frankly, I think if they beat us this week, they would jump us. Like the from third place through ninth place is separated by like five points right now. Yeah. It is it is jumbled together. We there's no time for a let up. It's right barn now. burner. It is. Uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh have a little cushion. And then after that, everybody's pretty well jumbled together from three through nine. Yeah. So How many games do we have on Cincinnati? One game in yeah, hand. One. Or no, it's two games in hand. But okay. they have seven points on us mm-hmm. right now, I believe is the situation. We're, we're, we're trailing behind. And uh, the, just our games in hand won't do it even if they're wins. So we need to, we need to round into form yeah but I will say that I think we are eight three and five on the season at this point eight wins three losses five ties and at the same point in the season last year we were nine three and four so we are we're not, not no yeah we're you know we're still perfectly where we would want to be uh, Charleston will be a tough game but shouldn't but it's a, it's the type of game we should take points in I'm not saying we got to come out and get a win. It's a road game against a perfectly decent team. You come out of there, road games with a tie, you're supposed to be happy. Because of where everybody sits in the table right now, a win would be very useful. Yeah. Uh, Charleston, they've got 
a situation where they've got one primary goal scorer, a gentleman whose last name is Guerra and whose first name I will not try to pronounce. It's try. I'm not going to try because I legitimately don't want to butcher somebody's name when I don't know the origin of that name. I don't have any concept of it's A T something, and I don't I don't even want to try. His okay. last name is Guerra. We'll refer to him as Guerra, and he's got eight goals for them on the season. So he's he's been he's, on a nice run there, of goal yeah. scoring form. Nobody else on their team has four, so they are they're dependent on this guy to get them goals. So you're saying hurt him right out of the gate. I'm not saying hurt anybody, but I'm saying that if he got hurt, that might be, you know, right. advantageous to I'll us. Pick up your I would never tell us to ever intentionally injure anybody ever. That's no. not that's or not what no. I'm advocating. No. But, you know, sometimes people get hurt. It's true. It's a tough game. And if there was somebody who had to, I don't know, tweak an ankle, I, I wouldn't be upset if it was this fella. So uh, they also have a keeper who's third in the league or tied for third in the league with six shutouts mm-hmm. in, uh, in Kuznitsky. Terrible name. Joe. Ugh, worse. Yeah. And, uh, but they play a pretty good brand of defense. How does Guerris, like, how does he like to score? Okay, so most of what I'm seeing from him is on set pieces. So he's okay. a good big target. He uses his speed and athleticism to get up in the air, okay. get out on the break. He's not uh, hes not a Cameron Lancaster making moves in the box, creating space for himself and launching awesome shots. He's more of a Luke Spencer type where the ball is going to come into him. He's going to get one, two touches and finish it. He's okay. not, that's, that's more of what I've seen. Now, to be fair, I've watched them play three games this year. Okay. And I don't believe he scored in any of those three games. Okay. But the way they were trying to use him in those games, that uh, is, okay. that's my understanding. Is he a big of guy? He's he's not a small guy. You're talking probably like six three kind of kind of fellow. Yeah. I mean, for a soccer player, he's he's a reasonably sized human being. Yeah. That's just a that's pure guess. I didn't uh, I didn't have anybody that I could specifically use as scale. Josh could take him. Uh, well, Hulk will knock anybody down that he <laughs> needs to. Now the. Uh, We'll get into the breakdown of uh, our game against Tampa here in a second, and we'll talk more about Hulk and the back line. But I think that uh, one thing we can feel reasonably confident about is that it should be a low-scoring game against Charleston. I wouldn't expect a 4-2 to two kind of a scoreline. Right. It's, it's not going to be like it was with New York Red Bulls where everything was wide open. Now, it shouldn't be quite as barn burner, physical, nobody's going past the 18-yard box as the Pittsburgh game was. Yeah. But it should be a game where, uh, you know, the goals are going to have to come from really nice play as opposed to, hey, we're out running, let's go score, and we scored. What are you predicting? From I, I, I personally have this game going 2-1 okay. to the good, no. I had this game going 1-1 draw. Think we're going to draw? I think we're going to draw. It's a road game. The guys have got a, three games in nine days. I tend to think it's not going to be a perfect game. Okay. All right, so 1-1 is what I've got it going. And I see us getting a goal late. Instead of what we've been dealing with, which is where we have a lead early mm-hmm. and then have to try to hold on to it, I kind of like the idea of them scoring in like the 38th minute mm-hmm. and then us having to ramp up the attack for the second half. Yeah. And we get a goal in like the 79th minute to draw. 
That's that's my prediction, and I think uh, our goal scorer will be the 49th career goal for tonight's guest, George Davis the fourth. I agree. That's what I've got. I'm saying one nothing. One nothing. Okay. No, I'm saying two one. Two one. You got go to go extra optimistic. Mm-hmm. Two one. Two one. I think we score. We score on a corner. Okay. And you know my usual corner combo. Yeah, you think that would probably be Oscar DePaco is my guess. Yeah. Okay. I, I just like it. I, I like it. I understand. Um, but I think we do get a little... I think we get a little chip in okay. from GD4. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I'm down. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe on a... Out wide on the left and comes back across and chips it over the keeper yeah. rushing out to catch him. All right. I'm down. I think, I think George gets the in-the-house bump. Having been on the podcast, he gets the goal, and uh, you know that's not the that's the first time we've done that though. Yeah, like that's the first time we, we usually do not predict our guests no. to score. I think it's happening. I do too. All right, mostly because of our interview with him. Probably, probably set him on the right path. Yeah. Okay, so I uh, in games like this, hard to predict what will happen. So I mean. Uh, my expectation is is that we stay a little loose. I think it'll take a while for the triumvirate to sort of tighten things up. Yeah. Which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's nice to see the guys play loose, and I really do think they played loose. Mm-hmm. But there are times when you need them to be tight. And yeah. uh, so finding that happy medium may take the, the guys a while. <clears throat> and we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. But hopefully this weekend we come out and at least take a point. And in your case, take three points. Two. They would get three points, though, for the win, is my point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully we get some points and uh, keep climbing up the leaderboard or at least holding our spot. Which we did in our previous game, if we transition here to the game review, the game against Tampa. uh, It was free-flowing. Uh, I heard someone, and I don't want to credit anybody incorrectly, but I also am sorry for not being able to credit them directly. Someone on Twitter talking about how this felt kind of like a, uh, a high school game for a while. And not because of the talent of the players, mm-hmm. which is obviously superlative, but because it felt a little disorganized at times. I think both teams were just sort of, there were a lot of thoughts and not a lot yeah. of execution. Kind of a free-for-all. There was. There was some sort of... There was a lot of doinking the ball around the midfield. Um, I know that once we got into the attacking half, we settled in a little bit better. But there was not much play out wide to the corners, which we're used to seeing. Uh, I think that when you have Magnus playing sort of central, which he did, Mm -hmm. and that forces... Nile to sort of be your ranging attacking midfielder. Mm-hmm. And that is maybe not his best position on the field. Uh, I Let's just say this. If I've got to have a foot race to the corner to get to a uh, ball played out wide, Nile is not the guy I would vote to have be the one doing that. So a lot of what we had to do had to go through the middle because I think they put Magnus there intentionally and that sort of yeah. sucked Nile in. And I think that it's possible that that may have suffocated a little bit of Cameron's space in a game like yeah. in a game like this, where you, I think that if you're gonna partner Nile and Magnus up front, that 
I would love to see what we could do with Luke in the striking position. Yeah. Where you've got more of a target guy up there who maybe doesn't need space to operate as much, can right. sort of create his own space. Uh, I thought that during the run of play, Cameron felt a little hemmed in. That was just my personal take on it. Yeah. Uh, he still, of course, scores the wonder goal because he's Cameron. And if you let him have the ball outside, inside of 23 yards, uh, I we all watched it together. Mm-hmm. And at least three people in the room and Mike Watts on air all said, hey, watch this, he's going to score. Mm-hmm. And then he scored. Now, he had just missed one earlier in the game that was probably two feet over the bar on, yeah. on a from a similar position. And it felt like, man, you can't give him another look at this. You can't. Yeah. And then they did, and he just put it straight home. It, it was a perfect, perfectly placed ball. The keeper didn't... I think the keeper could have reacted a little quicker than he did. It wasn't a perfect bit of play from him. No. But what are you gonna what are you what are you gonna do when a ball comes in and hits the top corner? It's I'm sorry, Cameron's he was just small for a keeper. He was not a giant man like we're used to seeing. He was not a Pickens type. No. He was not he was not even a Greg. No. He, that guy did appear he to be a little shorter. Be. So eh. maybe that was the maybe if he had that extra two inches. And maybe also maybe that's why Cameron said, Hey, I'm gonna go high. Maybe he tries to drill that into the bottom left corner if it's a big guy who has a hard time getting down. Who knows? But all I do know is that if you give Lou City set pieces in that 18 to 25-yard range while Cameron is on the field, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. Yeah. Like, we've seen him put several of those home. And when he put that home to give us the lead in, like, the 79th-ish, 75th to 80th minute, uh, that did put him all alone into first place as Lou City's all-time regular yeah. season high goal scorer. Congratulations, Cameron. Impressive. Uh, a to nice, say the least. Well, especially with how much time he's had to miss. Yeah. He's had to stop and start and stop and start from injuries for basically his entire career with Lou City. And the one common denominator about him is if he's in, he scores goals. Mm-hmm. Like, he just consistently puts it in, which is what you got to love about a striker. And he is... He is the example of that type of striker. Mm-hmm. So Cameron got us the win. Now we had scored earlier in the game from a little more loose city type buildup. And I did just deride Nile sort of uh, run into the corners, mm-hmm. but on the goal that they scored earlier in the game, it was Nile beating his man to the touchline, chipping yeah. the ball back across for Kyle. Mm-hmm. And uh, so 10 times, 10 kinds of kudos to Nile for that play. It was pretty. It was. It wasn't lightning fast, but he just beat the guy there just, mm-hmm. and his pass was beautiful. It seemed, like watching it, it seemed technically Oh yeah, perfect. It was sound. Uh, he makes that play with his left foot, and that's not an easy, that's not an easy pass to make, yeah. and put it right into the path. And frankly, there were two shots at it. If yeah. Cameron hadn't, if, if, uh, if Cameron had a run at it, and if he had gotten there, great. But yeah. he didn't, and Kyle's coming right behind him, and he puts it home. Yeah, it was nice to see. It was a good build-up play that came from actual possession in their half. Yep. It wasn't a set piece. It wasn't a breakaway. That was just us passing the ball around, finding the whole strategy that was getting yeah. it done. And so it looked a lot like a James O'Connor offense, mm-hmm. which you have to say kudos to the guys on still executing stuff that you know is things that they've worked on for the last three years. Yeah. 
that now they're still putting into practice, still putting home. Mm-hmm. It felt really nice to see that, and uh, it was very comforting. That goal was it. it was it was very much yeah. a uh, Lou City goal. Yeah, and it felt nice to see it go in. Obviously, we give up the equalizer. Uh, this is what I have to say about the defense. Mostly, they were just bruising the ball out of there last night. There wasn't a lot of buildup from the back line. Yeah. And you can actually see it a little bit from the heat maps for Paolo and Speedy, who played a lot of balls from the offensive half. They were on the other side of the field a lot. Usually, it's Sean and Paco Mm -hmm. and Pat passing the ball to Speedy and Paolo, you know, in the defensive third. Mm Mm-hmm. But no, they were getting the ball up right at midfield instead because a lot of it was just sort of thumping the ball out of there. Yeah. It wasn't our prettiest defensive game. No. Uh, you know that we love Pat McMahon. He was a great interview. He's a swell guy and technically as solid of a player as yeah. we're going to find. He got beat for pace. He did. By Junior Flemings repeatedly. Jun- it was a little tough to watch. It was a little heartbreaking. It's a tough matchup for him, which I think Tampa did a nice job of recognizing, hey, listen, Junior Flemings is just faster than that guy. Yeah. And so uh, despite Junior Flemings' skin-tight uniform. I was going to say, I mean, he's more aerodynamic because of You'd have short, to be. Short, no wind tiny, resistance. Tiny shirt. No wind resistance. Uh, he was beaten, Pat. He was beaten, Pat. Uh and not with any sweet moves, and not with bad positioning. Just sheer Just he's speed. a lot faster than Pat was, and I think he beat him to the end line on three or four different occasions. Mm-hmm. One of them, he didn't beat him to the end line, he beat him to the 18-yard box, and that's when you get a free run on goal. Yeah. He makes a nice shot. Frankly, I'm going to give Greg a pass because he made three or four really excellent saves. Yes. Uh, I th- I thought that that was a ball that he maybe could have had. That's that's pretty close to him, and it didn't look Watching like it was a it rocket. Was very like, eh, I feel like you probably could have. Had it that. was pretty close to him, and it wasn't a rocket. But you know, if your weight's shifted at all wrong on that sort of ball, if you are on it's the easy right for us foot, to say up, that, absolutely. Though, you know, like, and maybe it was a rocket. It just didn't look like one. Yeah, but. Uh, you'd like to see Greg make that save probably three inches to his, his uh, left hand, but didn't get that one. But he also did make f- uh, four or five game-saving kind of saves throughout yeah. the night. And so I give him a lot of credit for uh, for shot-stopping. Mm-hmm. And uh, realistically, the back line did enough. Right. And I thought that Hulk played a nice game, and Paco, they were bracketing the center forwards throughout most of the night and sort of leaving Pat out there on an island, which was maybe not perfect, but they got nothing going through the middle. Nothing. I mean, nothing. The ball just did not come through the middle against us the entire game, and that's that's a big credit to to our man Sean slash Hulk. Mm -hmm. And so uh, kudos on that. I just thought of the greatest thing for banter later. Okay. Just now. Mm-hmm. I know that we usually talk about it before we record, mm-hmm. but I just thought about it. It has to do with Greg. Uh-huh. I want you to remind me of it when we get to banter. I'll do it. But now that we've reviewed the game and we've previewed the game, yeah. I say we talk to a coach. I say we talk to George Davis the fourth. What if we talk to a coach and a player? We couldn't. We surely couldn't get two Lou City guests in one, one episode. Hear me out. Okay. What if we could get... Somebody who was both. That would be spectacular. And in fact, that is about what's, that is that's exactly what's about to happen. What in fact, I promise, here is our interview 
with George Davis the fourth. Yeah. As promised, we are now joined by one of the triumvirate, one of the coaches of Blue City Football Club. We are here tonight joined by, I think it's fair to say, USL legend? Yeah. Legend, yeah. George Davis the Fourth. George, hey, thank hey. you for being here. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it, man. You should, I just want to say this, you should absolutely get triumvirate tattooed on yourself somewhere. So. You guys yes. should all get that. Yeah, I mean. If, look, if you do it, I'll do it. <laughs> all right. I like your tattoos. That's Thanks. Good. My guy's great. Yeah, yeah you yeah, do a great job. I'm actually looking for a guy. I should, I should talk about that. I'll, yeah. I'll say that Frank, frankly, we could spend the next hour talking about that if that's all you want. <laughs> yeah, I like triumvirate better than three amigos, so three musketeers. Yeah. Triumvirate is tough. It sounds hardcore. Tom Farmer was claiming on a recent podcast that he was the first one to christen that. I want to see some sort of timestamp on this because uh, I, I, I saw some stuff pretty early. So I'm just, I'll, I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see if he can validate that claim. Do you hold that you were the one who? I mean, I hadn't seen it when I typed it, but that doesn't mean that I was the first one. It's not that hard of a leap to make to try over it right. for three coaches. But George, I, I called you a USL legend and I think it's fair, man. Uh, you are, so far as I can tell, and it's tough to get perfect statistics for USL seasons, so far as I can tell, you are in the top five all time in the USL in games played, in minutes played, and in goals scored. That's that's pretty good That's pretty good company to keep. Are you tired? Yeah. <laughs> no wonder I feel this way. No, uh, no I mean, honestly, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been great, you know. Um, Especially for myself, you know, coming out of college, I really can't say I expected to have a, a long career. Didn't expect to go on and play professionally, but you know, given a couple opportunities, and you know, now eight years later, I'm, I'm sitting here, and you guys are calling me a legend. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to uh, explain what that feels like. Um, just honored, grateful that I've been able to play this game for this many years, and you know, hopefully, I have the best years ahead of me. I hope you do too. Yeah. I, I hope that the rest of this year is the best year ahead of you. Now, uh, one of the people who has scored more goals than you, one of the three or four people who have scored more, is former teammate of yours. Uh, you played the year that Chandler Hoffman yeah. did, did you not? And he just got to 50, and you are knocking on the door of 50. Yeah. Do you feel like it's completely unfair that he'd be ahead of you since he's a striker and you're a midfielder? You know, credit to Chandler. You know, he is a, <laughs> an out-and-out -out goal scorer, so... Um, you know, for me, I've had some success playing in the middle and, you know, some other parts of my game have been highlighted. But um, to even be in the company with Chandler, he's a, he's a great goal scorer and a uh, good player, you know. So uh, to be in that conversation, that's, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing, yeah. nothing, yeah. nothing <laughs> wrong with that. <laughs> there, are, there are no, Evan is in the top five of mentions right. anywhere on my Wikipedia page. Wait, I don't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> So we could I think make you one. We could, <laughs> but man, there's nothing sadder than we that. We could just find random things that you're in the top five of. Evan, top five in best beards ever. <laughs> eh, not not quite. All right. Speaking of facial hair, the team has undergone some facial hair transformations recently. <laughs> hey, was this something that Coach O'Connor used to keep under wraps, and that the guys are just let go now, or what? What's happening with the with the pirate beards, the mustaches? Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, Pat McMahon. He's, he's looking swarthy these yeah, days, he's man. A, he's, a, he's a legend in himself. <laughs> I think his influence is going through the team a little bit. Um, you know, Ombi, he's kept the class beard for the last couple of years. Yeah. And then, 
Wait till you guys see Oscar here soon. Here the, the rumors were flying on Twitter today yeah, that, yeah. The, that the mustache is strong on Oscar it's also. Strong, very strong. His beard was looking thick uh, the last game. It was. We were commenting on the fact that he was growing it out. So you guys look like you're having a good time right now. There have been a lot of videos lately that have been getting posted that look like the team's having a, having a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you, you hate to, in any way, try, I'm not going to try to equate it with uh, the, the change in leadership. But I'll, I'll just ask, this seems like maybe a little more fun-loving of a group than it has been before, or is it just uh, people are feeling comfortable and willing to show that off for, uh, for us, the public, now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always been a, a fun, lively group, you know. We call it banter. You know, we've always had good banter in our trainer in our locker room. Um, and, and maybe it's coming to light because of the recent changes. Not that we haven't done it before, but maybe that it's mm -hmm. being documented, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing we say, we have an incredible opportunity to do something special with uh, three players leading the way, you know. So yep. why not document most of it? Why not put some of it on film and, and you know, let people see? So at the end of the year, if we have a, a great finish, you know, we can go back and look and say, hey, look what we've done and uh, look how we did it. Um, yeah. So it's great, you know, keeping the guys upbeat. You know, we didn't want this to be a situation where guys right. think it's over the fans think it's over it's just the beginning so trying to keep it that way yeah. you know, keep it lively since i know that you can't go into a lot of detail about it but since o'connor's been gone is there some experimentation i guess in positioning is there some some things that have come out like well we've always wanted to try this let's give this a go like i know you can be specific about it but is there just some some i would i would say um like you know, James and them, they, they ran a tight ship, um, and they were very good, very good at it. Um, so, you know, with us players now being coaches, we think it's very important that we allow the players to express themselves. So, uh, you know, let us know how you feel, you know, where do you like to play? Um, tactically, what do you think, you know? So that way we, we're not making decisions just us, but we're taking everybody's uh, insight into play. Um, and, and you never know, that may lead into some position changes, it may lead into some other good things, but the, I think the most important part is by allowing to do that, we have to make sure we keep our discipline uh, and, and what we're good at. We have to continue to do the things we're good at, you know, which is hard work, mentality, and all the things that James and Dan and Tabani instilled in us you know, for the last three plus years. Everybody in the organization that we've talked to uh has commented on the fact that the three of you were chosen for reason for I mean for legitimate reason they didn't just look down the roster and go ah, these three uh, that you know that you provide a lot of veteran leadership for the team in the first place and uh, that that you were maybe the type of person who uh, would see coaching as being a uh, an option for you in the long term uh, so is that something that you see for yourself way down the line when your career is uh, coming to a close or is that just maybe a door you'd like to keep open if not that you want to run through I'd say a bit of both. Um, I mean, I've been coaching, I would say, seriously. You know, I've been involved with some collegiate programs for the last, uh, since 2012, so last six years or so. Um, and then I love coaching the youth. You know, I love being around the youth players and, and helping them. I, I've always, obviously, I've always thought about, you know, could I be a coach at the professional level? Do I want to be a coach at the professional level? And, you know, I was having this conversation with Luke and Paulo, and it's like, if there's ever a time to kind of get a, a precursor into what it's like, you yeah. know, what, what's the lifestyle like, what, what are the duties, you know, what's called, what are you called upon to do, um, it's now, you know, so I'm receiving great insight into that. And, um, 
you know, it's something I do enjoy. Um, and if the doors open up for me in the future mm -hmm. to, to coach at the professional level, then, then I'm going to dive in head first. Well, that's great. Yeah. It's got to be a really fine line for you to walk being a player coach when you're, you're helping to decide how much playing time everybody gets and everybody includes you. Uh, it, when you're trying to tell people that, hey, you need to be in this spot and you're not there, when maybe, you know, five practice ago that same guy was saying to you, hey, you're not there. Uh, it's got to be a really fine line to walk between being a coach and a player at the same time. What Have you noticed any kind of uh, change in how you conduct yourself other than, you know, now being the coach? <laughs> yeah, it's something I definitely have to be more conscious of. You know, before when, you're, when I'm just a player and, you know, I have a go at somebody or there's a disagreement or um, something happens on the pitch that, you know, I have an opinion on, there's the coaching staff to go to to kind of, you know, look to for advice or maybe an answer or, you know, a resolution. Whereas uh, now it's, it's very important that the way I communicate with the players and my teammates is, is done in the right way, in the right fashion, you know, that, you know, the intentions are good. <clears throat> Excuse me, we're all trying to get better. And I'm not just going down people's throat or, you know, making as if I'm bigger than another player or anything like that. Um, but the, the, I think the reason we're in this position is because the ownership and the coaching staff before put a lot of trust in us. Mm -hmm. and I, I don't say myself as in me, Luke, and Paulo, but the entire, the entire team. Um, mm -hmm. Because I don't think there's very many teams who can go from a coaching staff to a player-led situation and have the, the attitude and the character to, to persevere through that. So... Uh, a lot of credit goes to everybody in the locker room to to be able to accept things and also learn from them and, and try to move on in a positive way. Now, how have you noticed that your days off and your evenings have changed? Has this included a lot of new film study that you maybe didn't do before? Or uh, are you and uh, Paolo and Luke getting bunk beds to really uh, spend a lot of time together? <laughs> like, uh, how, how is the... I mean, I, I'm sure that as a professional athlete you've always had to you know get used to training and then recovery and then practice and then conditioning and a lot of things going on your plate how do you balance all of that with now some responsibilities in terms of hey we got to study for charleston right now hey, i'm learning that right now mm -hmm. as we speak you know um the first week um we kind of just jumped in you know all three of us doing everything that we can you know it was a long week but we needed to learn we needed to to get an understanding understanding as quickly as possible and what was required. So now that we've moved into the second week, we have a better understanding of what needs to be done. We've been able to divvy up some responsibilities. You know, maybe we're all not watching this game at the same time, but... Less rather, duplication of yeah, effort now. exactly, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it's going to continue to be a learning process. It's, it's uh, We always knew James and Dan worked hard. Yeah, but you don't realize it until you're sitting in that office and, and wow, these it's a lot, lot of hours. Scenes, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of behind the scenes. And, and James was very analytical in his approach. He 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 put literally his life into the game and into the team, and and you see it, you know, in his results. And people would hear him talk about, you know, next game, hard work, mentality. But but he lived it, you know. So mm -hmm. trying to emulate to you know emulate that and and, and make sure we keep consistency in the locker room and everything the preparation stays the same um, it's definitely added some hours to my day but I think it's all about perception you know you jump into it and you enjoy it and you embrace it and it's going to be good but if you're going like oh I don't have my days anymore I can't do this can't do that 
um, and it's probably not going to be a good situation. So just trying to make the most of it. That's that's probably the right attitude. Yeah. Uh, now you said the, all the stuff that uh, James did in his office. Have you guys claimed the office together? <laughs> are, are you guys sharing the office? Is nobody touching the office? Like, uh, how, how's the office working? Is, is uh, you know Paolo sitting down and putting his feet up on the desk? Like this is my room. Is What's going one, on? Is it one like triangle desk that's really ornamental, like with like thrones that you all sit <laughs> in and like their torches around? No, you? no, it's uh, it's actually very simple, you know. Um, it's, it's just your regular office. You got a whiteboard, you got a TV, <laughs> and a desk, you know. So, Have you guys claimed specific uh, spots, though? This is where I nah, sit now. We uh, <laughs> really lighthearted about it, you know. Like, it's uh, really relaxed. We've encouraged other players, if we're watching a game, you know, come on in, give us give us your insight, you know, come sit in the office with us. You know, it's, no, it's not putting a stake on a seat or putting a claim. This is our office, you know. We're not calling guys into the office hey come see me come speak to me I need you in my office you know it's not that type of party um, so you know it's really open doors um, everybody's been great you know it's, it's it's really hard to explain you know like to put into words unless you actually can see it you know it's, it's, it's good though. you've got a birthday coming up I do August yeah. 5th yeah that's interesting that's fascinating it is because we share a birthday is August 3rd. That's true. Yeah. Both my co-host and I were born on August 3rd. So, uh, so we got three we got three Leos got sitting three around Leos the desk here. here. It's a good table. What yeah. I'm saying is when we get our triumvirate tattoo, okay. <laughs> we get a lion right. above it. Okay. For being Leos. <laughs> I, I'm with that. I'm with that. All right. All right. Now, since there are three lions sitting at the desk, have you been watching much World Cup? I have. Yeah. I watch as much as I possibly can. Right. Yeah. I, I was curious whether or not uh, the new coaching duties have infringed on uh, leisure watching. Yeah, I've had to watch a few more games on my phone, but you know, I'm still trying <laughs> to watch as much. Catch those highlights. And the good thing with technology is you go back and watch the games as well. Well, so. and the good thing is you're the boss now, so who's going to come and tell you to turn <laughs> it off? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if I can take that approach. We <laughs> might be running this system this week. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, the tournament's been great. I mean, I think it's been really exciting. It's been crazy. Um, you know, I wish the referees were less involved, but that's just part of the game, you know, so. Uh, Do you wish the referees were less involved in basically every game? Yeah, I'd say. Yours too? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the best referees are the ones you don't notice. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I agree with that. You know, the, the VAR, they have good intentions, and I think it's great for the game that, you know, you can get things right, but. It's also uh, well. I think Lou City would have three or four more wins this year if uh, we had VAR in our league. We've had some tough ones go against us. I'll tell you yeah. what, they uh, when they introduced the VAR a couple of years ago, it was 2016, and it never went our way. The few games we had it. So yeah. I can't say I'm asking for VAR. No, no. <laughs> All right. I, I think Indy would have gone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there's been uh, you know some things. I'm actually I know there's been situations <laughs> that you know could have went the other way, but. You know, human error is part of the game. Now, in the first game that you guys had as manager, you get uh, you get a nice win. Uh, how'd that feel to get the first one sort of out of the way? Uh, was it was it sort of a relief, or was it the same you usually feel after a win? I would say it was a bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, when when something like that happens, you know, maybe from the outside you may feel a little bit of doubt, a little lack of belief, and. You know, going into the game, we were full of confidence that we were going to win the game. Um, and then to see it actually happen is a bit of a, a weight off the shoulders, you know, getting belief and confidence back into mm -hmm. the team and to everybody, even 
you know, fans, ownership, everybody, that we're still a winning team and, and that we can we can continue kind on. Kind of a feeling, hey, we can do this. We can, we can do this. <laughs> Has the organization talked to you guys at all about a timeline, about, uh, you know, when they hope to have somebody uh, to come in to take the full-time position, or have they just said, hey, we're going to let you guys run and run, and we'll be searching for somebody in the background, but we're not putting any kind of a time limit on this? Uh, not in any detail. Um, you know, I don't think they want to put too much pressure on us. Yeah. Um, you know, they want us to allow us to still be players and try to do our job as coaches the best we can. Um, but I, I do know the club are going to do their best to find the right person. And I know that they don't want to just rush into a situation to where, you know, they find somebody who maybe doesn't doesn't fit the bill. So um, they know that, you know, we're, we're willing and able to continue on this way for as long as we need to. And, and, and when they call upon the right guy, uh, hopefully um, he'll be the right fit and we can accept him into into the club. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody, I'm not asking for names, but is there anybody in the back of your head that you're going, I really kind of hope it's this guy or man, this girl is a great coach, I hope it's her, or is there anybody in the back of your head that you're going, have you, have you, have you uh, shot any names over the guys? Like, hey, if you haven't looked at this person, you should. Uh, I mean, there's been a few people who, who've come around, you know, the club or have been around me and particular that you know I would say those are good people mm-hmm. um, but you know there's I'm sure there's a lot of people who want this job I, I know it has to be a, a good a good situation it's a good club a good city a good team a lot of success has been here so uh, for me it's, it's hard to imagine who who wants you know who mm-hmm. wants it what type of uh, people are putting their, their CV in and, and um, you know without seeing all the names it's hard for me to make a, a, a make a, a choice sure. you know what I mean but um, if they would ever you know come to me and ask me my opinion I'd be more than willing to give it and you know I just want what's best for the club do you imagine that the three of you will be at all involved in that process once they've got some final candidates or do you think they're going to take care of their business and you guys take care of yours it's, it's hard for me to say I have no idea um, like I said I don't expect them to come to us and say hey what do you think about this guy but if they did uh, we'd be grateful to give to give an opinion for sure See, because the real issue here is is that this was not a podcast or an interview. This was us hoping you'd put Andy's name in. <laughs> so if you could, when you get back to the club tomorrow, maybe if you were to say, hey, I met this Andy guy, he's pretty great. Yeah. It uh, might not be the best. I would, if my strategy would involve a lot more punching, just to <laughs> he's, yeah, hit him! Yeah. Hit him! <laughs> yeah. Speo, do you have to modulate your attitude, do you think, out on the field in terms of how you... Uh, Maybe show your displeasure to a ref or an opposing player, or do you think I gotta when I'm on the field, I still just gotta be George? Uh, yeah, I think it's very important that I still be George. Yeah, um, and not just in games, but throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I want to be very intentional about: is that I maintain who I am, um, and I think that is important not only on the field and my performance and trying to maintain consistency so that I know what I can do as a player but also with the relationships that I've built in the locker room and, and throughout the club you know I don't want to go and turn into this brand new person and everybody's like right. come on who's this guy you know, right who does he think he is so um, something that I'm being very intentional about is to try to maintain who I am um, obviously there's gonna be changes and I'm gonna have to grow and learn and you know I may have to handle situations differently yeah. but who I am as a person and how I approach the game and as a player uh, I want to keep that as consistent as possible. Now, starting tomorrow, over the course of the next week, you have two games going on. You've got the big, important league game on Saturday, another road game against Charleston, 
and then just three days after that, or four days after that, you've got the semifinal. I'm sorry, the quarterfinal in the U.S. Open Cup. Are you guys finding that it's tough to focus on one game over the other? Do you think that just having two days to prepare for that for the Open Cup game is enough? Have you guys already started sort of putting that into the game plan, or is it, hey, we just want to play our best game and not worry so much about what the Chicago Fire does or the Charleston Battery does? We need to be our best selves, and it'll take care of itself. I think it's more the latter. Uh, like we've always preached, next game, next game, next game, um, and and that's still. When your focus is on the next game, then you put everything you have into that game to win the game. When you start thinking ahead, I need to manage myself for this, or we need to do this, and you start worrying about the next game, uh, or the game after, then you kind of take your eye off the prize, you know? So for us, we have faith and, and belief in every player on our roster. Um, so I think we just want to play our, our team and play the best that we can on the day. And then after the fact, after that game, when we go on to the next game, if somebody needs a rest, if there's things we need to change, then we can do that when the time comes. Um, from a coaching staff perspective, it's kind of inevitable to, to have a look ahead to see what you're going to go up against. Um, you know, two days doesn't give you as much time to prepare for, say, the fire or Charlotte after that. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, you know, we will have to manage that a little bit differently. But from a player standpoint, we need to keep our focus on the next game and be the best we can for that game. See, and that's almost certainly across the board always. The response you get from responsible coaching staffs and organizations is that, hey, we're only focused on the next thing. We don't look ahead. you got to stay as laser-focused as possible, and I'm sure all that's true. But if you guys were to beat Chicago, you could end up playing against Coach O'Connor's <laughs> yeah. old team. You may have oh, noticed true. that. Oh, yeah, we all noticed so that. So let me ask you to look way ahead. Be we're not trying to. We're not trying to guess that you'll beat Chicago or that Orlando will beat uh, Philadelphia. That's not what we're trying to do. But whenever you come up against an old teammate or an old coach or uh, especially somebody who, let's say, when you guys were in the preseason playing against Sean Reynolds and uh, and some of the players who had played on your team recently, do you think that it gives the opposite team a real advantage? Since they should know your system pretty well, or do you think it gives you an advantage? Like I know how to mess that guy up. Good question. I, I wish I had the answer to that question. Um, I mean, obviously, James built it. So, you know, he built this team, so you would you would think that he, he might have some idea. Yeah. But with that being said, um, it's 11 players on the field. You yeah. Know, 22 players on the field. So James can't kick the ball around. He can only do so much. Right. Um, and I think if that were to happen. Um, the energy, the enthusiasm, the, the intensity to that match would probably be something that you would be something able to special. for. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously that that would be a dream come true. And it's way down match. the line. Yeah. You guys got a lot of important games between yeah. now and that possibly happening. Yeah, it, exactly. It's just one of those tantalizing things on the schedule where you go, well, that's interesting. It yeah. is. It is. How many times? Do you think you would run by him and suddenly flip him off? <laughs> <laughs> I love James, honestly. I, I, think, I think James is great, and you know I have no hard feelings towards him. No, no. no I mean, he's helped all of us, and, and he's well deserving of the job he's taken. And you know, I hope I hope people realize that. Well, I always think that soccer is such a different sport from any of the uh, the more Americanized sports, and the concept that there's always another thing to go to. 
Now, you play in the USL, and obviously all, all of the players in the USL would like to move up a level and maybe play in the MLS. And maybe some of those guys were thinking, I don't just want to move up to MLS. I'd like to one day go play in you know the English Championship League or go play in Liga MX down in Mexico. Or There's always something bigger to sort of aspire to. And I'm sure it's the same way for coaches. Uh, how do you sort of marry the idea of I want to do the best I possibly can and make myself comfortable here but I also kind of hope I'm not here next year you know how, how do you have that in your head I've, I've always wondered how how a player can deal with that <laughs> yeah I mean if I'm being completely honest it could be an advantage or a disadvantage you know if if you're constantly thinking during the season uh, if I score this goal or I do well then I'm gonna move on next year uh, what about next year what about next year mm -hmm. and then you kind of lose sight of, of mm -hmm. the task at hand um, and I can speak to that from experience yeah um, I've had some really good seasons and during those seasons all I could think about was am I gonna get an opportunity am I gonna get an opportunity and then maybe you don't finish the year as strongly um, so what I would say to that is yeah we all have aspirations to go on higher um, but from a playing perspective even coaching it's you're at your best when you put your energy and focus on the task at hand and if that's a if there's a lesson to be learned uh, for any aspiring players out there it's that you know from, from the youth level to the collegiate level all the way to the professional level you have to take care of business that's in front of you before you can think about you know the next moves that's that's good advice in any walk of life really I think I'm a I'm a supply chain manager and I have to do that yeah. so Harry so wise you're so wise George <laughs> I guess it's all these years in the USA you know? <laughs> I will say you're the only fourth I've ever met really really like the fourth yeah. I've never you're the only one would you if you had kids would your son be the fifth I get that question all the time. I would imagine. I'm sorry I had to ask it again. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, you can just tell me to go to hell if you want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, the interesting thing about me and George III and the second, and, uh, the original, the, 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 the OG. OG, uh, <laughs> the original George. Um, he, uh, we, they were all, we were all born exactly 20 years apart. Oh, that's nuts. Yeah, so um, that's an interesting fact. And, and we were all alive, too, up until uh, 2000. 10, that's so, that's yeah, great. Yeah, so it's a nice long life for the OG. Yeah. So when 07 came around, it was like, all right, George, don't have any little. <laughs> around, you know, so, so Be extremely know, careful yeah, this be year. Extremely careful. So I mean, I don't know. It's uh, obviously you know we all want to have you know sons and things. Well, the interesting thing is, is that my father has a bizarre name. His first name is Goble, which most people haven't heard of before. But my dad is Goble William Floyd the Third, and so I could easily have been a uh, uh, Goble the Fourth. But uh, I always say my mom loves me, so that didn't happen. But that's more because of the Goble than the Fourth thing. So uh, I could have been on Team the Fourth, but uh, it just didn't happen for me. Even G Four, you could have been another. G4. I could have been another G Four. <laughs> now. We, uh, we hear GD4, we hear G4, we hear Quattro. Is there a nickname you prefer? Is there a... Nah, I mean, I've always been called G4, GD4 my whole, like, since I can remember. Yeah. I've uh, been called Gio and Georgie when I was a kid. All my coaches called me Georgie, so kind of got away from that. But uh, <laughs> no, I can't imagine uh, why. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Quattro was new when I came to Louisville. Oh, okay. I started calling oh. Quattro, which was... Uh, 
which is pretty cool. We're always curious about players' nicknames, even whatever you guys call each other, like on the field that nobody knows about. And it started from Dobro calling Oscar OJ, yeah. <laughs> which we had never no considered. Like, I don't think anybody in the fan base had ever thought, oh yeah, Oscar Oscar Jimenez would be OJ. Yeah. The first time we heard him yelling, we were like, who is he yelling at? Oh, he's talking and then to we Oscar. Put it together, and it was just like our minds just blown. Yeah. Like OJ. Of course you call him OJ. Yeah, yeah I call him OJ. Yeah, I think most players do. See, and that, and that's the sort of things that we uh, we're, we're working really hard on getting people to start calling Sean Tosh Hulk, but it's Hulk. just it's it's coming slowly. It's slowly <laughs> spreading through our section. It's coming. I don't know. I could call him Hulk. He's a big teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Tosh. We, we had a uh, really nice time chatting with him. We also had a really nice time talking to Pat McMahon when he was on the show. and uh, Or McMahon Bun, as yeah. we all go with. The man bun. But uh, <laughs> I asked Pat, and I'm curious for your take on this too, because you guys are two of the more veteran players on the team. Mm-hmm. Especially for him, where he's got Alexi, who is a, a raw, fresh rookie, coming straight out of college, you know, eight, nine, ten years younger than he is, playing the same position that he is, where you have a responsibility as a veteran presence on the team to sort of, you know, hey, this is where you need to be, we need to help the team out, but also this is a guy trying to take your spot. Uh, Is there ever a level of contention for you with some of the other players that, uh, I mean, we've got five, six guys who all want playing time as attacking midfielders, and we're about to have another one come back healthy when uh, when Richie Ballard comes back. Is Do you feel a responsibility to now, as a coach and as a, uh, as a veteran, to be saying, hey, you're not in the right spot. Have you considered doing this? You're really predictable when you make this move, and we can always take it from you. Stop doing that. Or is it like, if he keeps giving the ball away like that, I'm going to get more minutes, and I'm totally fine with that. I wouldn't say. I would say we're always helpful. You yeah. know, like one thing we, we always say is your teammate has your medal, you know. So if he's on the field and he's not performing, that means the team's not getting the result we need. So, you know, whether you're on the field or not, you know, you can look ahead to the next game, but what about the performance at hand? You know, we need everybody on the field, everybody on the roster to contribute. You know, I think that was one of our strongest assets last year when we won the championship was that, you know, whether it was Mark Anthony or myself or Richie Ballard or Brian Ombi, you know, Cam or Luke, you know, Ilya, it didn't matter who was on the field. We were, we were getting results and guys were stepping up. Um, and, and that's the same way, you know. I think as long as the intentions are good when you're giving instruction and uh, trying to help a player out, then it's always going to be received well. Um, and, you know, just like Richie, you know, even for Richie Ballard or Magnus or Niall and myself and, and Brian, if, if they see something that I'm doing that I can do better, I would expect them to come to me and say, hey, George, what about this? Hey, George, you know, you need to finish your chances. Or, hey, George, you need to, you know, whatever it may be, you know. So I think that's the kind of accountability that we we all hold each other to. And it's not easy. It's not easy because not every not every player can do that, you know. And I, I think that's where credit comes that the characters that we have in our locker room, they're strong, you know, and they can accept criticism, they can give criticism, and, it, and it's never a... Uh, a battle of oh I hope he fails so that I can play, um, and if that's the attitude that players have, then you know that, then we're not going to be very successful. And generally speaking, I think it's probably not the kind of player that Coach O'Connor would have brought in in the not first place. Not at all. All right, I've got one more question for you before I hand you over to Andy for his uh, for his big question. But so I mentioned earlier the videos. Did you have a bigger problem with Speedy's dancing or with him failing to finish on that PK? 
Uh, I think he was worried about Kiki too much. That, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he forgot about the shot. Uh, yeah, I, I love seeing that stuff though, man. Yeah. He's a, you know, people don't get to see that side of Speedy too much, so to see, you know, see him bring that out and you know the media and let the let the fans see that, you know, that's great. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, Speedy's always dancing. He's the life, so you know, it's uh, fair play to him. And we know that if Speedy had to step up, and take a pin, that he'd bury it. There you go. Yeah. Nice. All right, I will now. In the very gentle and loving mitts, hand you over to Andy. <laughs> Arguably the most important question. And the toughest that and we have by far. Yeah, yeah. Of the last two decades, what movie do you think is a perfect metaphor for your all's championship season? Man. <laughs> I've seen this look on basically yeah. every guest we've had. To for, be fair, uh, I never intended this question to be that hard. <laughs> yeah tough um you know when you get asked tough questions like that sometimes your mind just goes blank you yeah know, you no, yeah i understand uh, i i i think i'm gonna have to go with moneyball um, okay and and the reason i say that is because um you know prior to season beginning mm -hmm. uh there was a lot of conversation of well how are we going to replace this player or what about this player? What about that player? What about our depth? What about this? And there were a lot of questions being asked. And then, come to the end of the season, it was uh, it was it was lifting a trophy. You know and what it, I mean? and, it was uh, a really effective group of guys brought together for maybe not the largest budget in the USL, and uh, a lot of guys who knew their role did a job very well, were, but were also well-rounded. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have any problem with that answer. The person who might have a problem with that answer is Scott Stewart, who also gave that answer. No one cares that guy <laughs> That's true. And I liked your explanation of it better than I liked yeah. his. Yeah. Andy did point out that the A's didn't win anything. They did, no. Uh, yeah. But you guys brought home a championship. Now, I'm always curious about this. I'm going to sneak this last one in. Mm -hmm. Where do you keep the ring? The ring is sitting. I have a little jewelry box collection that I keep it in. Uh, All right. Right next to have a, a UK ring as well. So, got so, a UK so ring as well. You, I'm not gonna go into it. I, I wasted my opportunity, no, so yeah. I won't. But uh, you're a, you're a UK man. Good, Understood. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you were at UK before Richmond. I was at UK before any of. Yeah. Yeah, I was at University of Kentucky from 2000. Seven God, how terrible is Lexington? Am I right? Uh, the I worst. It. It. It's, it's funny. I get a. It's either it's like, oh, we love you. You went to UK, yay, or it's yeah. like, oh, poor guy. You know, it's it's funny. Any but, extra rivalry between the coaches with Paolo being a U of L man? I think they tried to force a little bit of rivalry on us when we first both got to the club. But me and Paolo are like, hey man, we're teammates. You know that <laughs> yeah. that, that part of our, our life is behind you us. You guys are. And, uh, we've talked about it before though. Red. And blue makes purple. You guys are just too darn well trained. We're going to get you guys to say something super embarrassing one of these days. We're going to catch you. George, we really appreciate your time. We know you've got a ton of studying to do, a bunch of recovery from practice, and all the other things that go into a successful USL coach and playing Legends Day. We really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. I appreciate the praise. Thanks. Okay, thank you very much, George. Uh, that's that's a smart guy. That dude was cool. Yeah. He's got some of the coach speak stuff down. Yeah. But uh, that's to be expected. He is yeah. a coach. 
And he's also been playing for James O'Connor for the last several years. Yeah. That that stands to reason. He struck a good balance, though. Like, he had a good balance of here are the things I should say, here are the things I can say, and I'm going to tactically avoid the things I can't say. Right. Uh, and I thought that he showed a, a, an amount of personality. Yeah. But that he wasn't, that, you know, you could tell he's a serious guy who takes the responsibility that's been given to those mm-hmm. three men seriously. It was a lot of fun talking to him. He was a he was awesome. smart guy, good future coach in the making there. We're getting those tattoos. Now, oh, and you guys will look great with them. So, uh, I will say, I don't think, I personally, we're going to go straight into purple stuff here. We're going to go, we're just going to dive straight in because the first thing I want to talk about is purple stuff. Yeah. So, my man, cheers. Mm. How's your purple stuff? Rehydrating. Yeah. It's a rehydrating mm-hmm. type of purple stuff tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the first thing I wanted to say is the coaching search is on. Yeah. They're, they're busily, you know, crunching numbers. They're talking to a consulting firm, mm-hmm. which has been made official that they have hired a consulting firm. The, the, the strong sense is that they have real candidates that they're already considering, that they're putting through their paces. You have to assume. I still don't think this will be a long process. Mm-hmm. Uh, George either doesn't have a timeline that's been placed to him or tactfully declined to comment on one. I tend to think it's the latter. But uh, I, my strong hunch is that we have a coach by the time they get back from Chicago. At least one announced. That's pure speculation. No one has told yeah. me that I am right. Uh, I, I feel strongly that. What that are would be the, the case odds there. of them, in your opinion, having a coach before Chicago? Slim. Slim to nil, or just slim? I just say slim. I don't say there's none. But here's the thing: that game is in eight days. Yeah. If they're gonna announce a coach, I think it would either have to be before Charleston. Yeah. Or after Chicago. Okay. Because I don't think you want to announce a new coach going into a U.S. Open comeback. I don't <laughs> Here's think, our new coach. All right, let's go. <laughs> right. I think that puts a lot of pressure on that coach. Yeah. And a lot of, and it sort of defocuses the team. Yeah. Before going into that match, I I won't be at all surprised if we get home, have our game against Charlotte uh-huh. in a week and a half, and that maybe that weekend they announce a coach okay. but that they may have already picked the guy by the time they leave Chicago like that's my that's my timeline okay no one has told me that that timeline is accurate but uh, I, I think that that's about what we're looking at I don't think they want to drag this out at right. all I think that the sooner you can get Luke back to just having to worry about rehab mm-hmm. the better off we are mm-hmm. I think that the sooner you can take this off of their plates. I mean, George was great. I was so pleased to interview him tonight. It was a blast. But, you know, they had practice today. Yeah. He's got film to watch. Yeah. And we just took an hour of his time. And yeah. the reason we took an hour of his time is because they have press obligations, yeah. which is it's hilarious that we are one of them. But they have press obligations. And if, they weren't, if he wasn't doing our show, he would have been with Luke doing the else, Cooper's yeah. show. Or doing barrel proof tonight. Yep. And if uh, they hadn't been doing that, then you know he's got to do a sit down with Daniel Lerner at the Courier Journal mm-hmm. or whatever. They've Scott got keeps s- him busy. They've got stuff they've got to do, yeah. and it's part of being a coach. And I don't want them worrying about that. I don't want them worry about playing. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they want to drag this search out at all. 
And I think that they will have enough real candidates that they will be able to make the decision quickly without having to rush it. I think they'll be able to look and say, here are three qualified candidates who want the job. Which one do we like the best and why? Let's get them. That's my opinion. Every day that we go past Charlotte without a coach announced will be a day that surprises me. And so with that said, we won't have a coach until October. <laughs> it's gonna be these guys. It's gonna be these guys the whole way. No, I, I really do. I think they want to make this process as quick as possible. Yeah. Pure speculation. But I also pure speculation. I won't be at all shocked if whoever they bring in makes Georgia player assistant coach right from go. Just immediately, not oh, yeah. and not even not not like uh, hey, we'll see what's happening at the end of the year. Yeah. But just says George Davis is on our coaching staff now. And we're going to have him play one more year with us next year on the team and have him be an assistant coach next year. And then the year after that, we expect him to go be a coach somewhere. Yeah. If it's not with us, yeah. then with somebody else. But he's a future head coach, and that guy clearly is. Yes. Uh, we got to talk a little bit of tactics with him that he didn't want to go on air with uh, because he's smart. Yeah. And, you know... Everybody in Charleston listens to our podcast. Like, not even just the soccer fans. Not even just the soccer fans, but, like, everybody in Charleston. We have a huge base, strangely, in Charleston. Yeah, and so, but no, and you can tell the guy has got a keen grasp on what's happening on a soccer field. Yeah. That he understands the mentality of the players, how to get the most out of people Mm -hmm. without uh, pushing them too hard. He's a thoughtful guy, and you can tell he's going to make a really good coach. You get the sense that he understands the importance of not just like team cohesion, yeah, but the sense that like your players on some level should enjoy what they're doing. I like what you said, team cohesion. I think that he strike he struck a nice balance between talking about the team being a group and sort of individual expression. Yeah. That the guys have to be able to be themselves. They have to feel comfortable in the position you're putting them on the field. He talked about how they've already asked them to come in and say, hey, this is where I'd love to be on the field. Yeah. That might not mean that you get to be there, but listen, hear them out. You know? yeah. And so maybe Paco's in there going, I'm a striker at heart, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and, he, and he was a striker in college. So, I mean, it's these things. But, uh, uh, no, I think that he will make for a really – Really good coach. Maybe it's a college coach. He's already had some experience with uh, Hanover, I think it was, and uh, uh, Bowling. No, he went to Bowling Green State and then transferred to UK. Yeah, but uh, he's been coaching with Hanover College, I believe. Yes, and also does some of the local coaching. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's a college coach and not a pro coach. I don't know how to rank these things or judge these things. Uh, plus, there are all the certifications you've got to go through to be a coach in the U- in the United States. But UL's I, next coach. I feel strongly. I feel strongly that he will end up being a very good coach. Uh, and that's not to say that Luke and Paolo won't be. I don't. But I don't know those guys <laughs> as well yet. Uh, yet. Um, and I, I won't be at all surprised if whoever that comes in says, "I want this guy on my staff no, yeah. and on the field yeah. for at least the next year." So that's my prediction. Zinedine Zidane. You keep saying that. I think that you're starting to build a wave that's going to bring him here. I'm just saying, if it happens, yeah, you're welcome. Understood. I'll keep that in mind. You think he's going to headbutt anybody? That's the question, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? 
was so fun to watch. I know it's not okay. Like, it, it sucked at the time. It was a terrible thing to do. But, like, watching it was pretty funny. But I digress. But that can be the second bit of purple stuff is not so purple. But uh, the first World Cup semifinal occurred today. France and Belgium. And France takes the victory. Zinedine Zidane's former team. Yeah. It takes the victory and advances to the final. I think... I always kind of wanted it to be England in the final anyway. I, I, I support England ostensibly because yeah. I'm friends with Scouse and Kevin and some of the Brits in Scouse's house. I have a British family. Uh, you bet. Uh, and, uh, but now I really want it to be England because an England-France final is just so deliciously continental. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's a great... I mean, oh, think yeah. of all of the history jokes that we'll be able to make about oh, the War man. of 100 Years and... Uh, it's just, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Well, they're both countries that, like, people, you hear the term, like, oh, he's, they're nice, but they're very French, or they're nice, but they're very British, you know what I mean? Like, if they're so... Who are you talking to? I talk to people. I talk, don't worry about who I talk to. I I won't worry about it. No, it's, uh, I'm I'm very much hoping that we get a uh, England-France final. I'm not going to go into the Jimmys and the Joes or the X's and the O's. But Who does England play next? They play Croatia, Croatia. tomorrow at 2 p.m. And uh, it'll be an interesting game. I think Croatia played basically a war of attrition against Russia. Mm-hmm. And England kind of skated through their uh, their, their quarterfinal. Uh, I think if you listen to any of the commentators, England has been skating through. They make it sound like England has been skating through this entire tournament. They, <laughs> well, frankly, they haven't had... A tough draw at all. No. They've gotten to play some very uh, winnable games. Yeah. They played the easiest group stage. They didn't have to play any of their yeah. starters against Belgium. And so they got some rest in the middle of all that. Mm-hmm. And then they played Colombia without their best player. And then they yeah. played Sweden without Zlatan. Yeah. And, well, I mean, obviously without Zlatan. But also Sweden, not exactly a... Uh, uh, powerhouse and uh now they're getting croatia who's been roughed up a little bit has lost some guys to yellow card suspension for this game and uh is also maybe a little uneven yeah so what's uh what's his name croatia's big guy well they have their their two stars are their midfielders luka modric who is outstanding ivan rakitic and then they have a striker mario mandzukic and those three are really their most notable yes. stars. Who's the little guy with the longish hair? Yeah, that would be Luka Modric. Yes. And he is He's one of the looking. best midfielders in the world. Yes. And uh, just won a Champions League final with Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And, man, this is as far into international soccer as we're going. But today also marked the signing, the transfer, I'm sorry, of the world's best player, Cristiano Ronaldo, leaves Real Madrid and goes to Juventus. Juventus. Going from Spain to Italy. You should see the look on Andy's face right now. As I'm pretty sure he thinks I'm speaking another language. I but, know I know where Spain and Italy are. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Uh, it, it was sort of a shocker. That perhaps the best player in the world. Let's not have a Messi-Ronaldo debate. No, right? But uh, perhaps the best player in the world. Changing teams. Sort of unexpectedly, there's been smoke around this for the last couple of weeks, but I don't think anybody really thought he was going to go to Juventus. Here's my question. Here's my question. Where, obviously, he has to move, right? Yeah. Where does he live right now? Oh, 
No, well, that's actually an interesting bit of the bit of the drama is that uh, one of the reasons why people knew this was such a possibility is that he recently bought an enormous two hundred person villa or two hundred bedroom villa in uh, in Italy. Two hundred. What do you do with two hundred bedrooms, bro? Like, what are you doing? Hey, man. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know what you do in bedrooms, but. Uh, I weird get, stuff. I get naps. Weird stuff. I would I would have a different kind of bed in each room and take yeah. a nap in every one of them. I mean, it, it's got to be... I'm not mad at him. I, I mean, I don't know enough about international soccer to have any kind of opinion on it. But I kind of can't blame a dude from like, uh, I'm going to leave this luxurious life in this great country and move to a different luxurious life in this other beautiful For country. another hundred million pounds when <laughs> yeah, I'm 33. I mean, basically, in the end, Cristiano Ronaldo basically just gets to say scoreboard to everybody. Yeah. He's won the last three Champions Leagues. He's won several scoring titles. He's, He's won several Ballon doors. He's got the ugly-ass statue. <laughs> He's... Say what you will about the man, but he's one of the, I don't know, 100 best-looking people in the world. And uh, also one of the 100 richest athletes in the world. He wins. He wins individual honors. He wins team honors. He's got a good thing going on. He makes his his young son watch him work out. And you'll do the exact same thing, I have no doubt. In fact, he'll be forcing your young son to join in. Yeah, you better get down push-ups now. Uh Uh-huh. Up two. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) I hear you. But no, it's Cristiano Ronaldo moving to Juventus, which is fascinating and will be discussed by podcasts way more knowledgeable than Andy and I. But more uh, interesting it's, for sure. It's it's fascinating that he's moving, and there will be interesting dominoes to fall. Be curious to see if Liverpool, I'm sorry, Scouse, can hold on to Mo Salah, or if Real Madrid will come paying for him. Uh, see if Mbappe or Neymar leave PSG. There's a lot of possible dominoes that are, might fall here because think of Neymar's this. going to roll to another team. He, oh, <laughs> you, <got> you, <laughs> look at you go. All right, uh, so that's international soccer corner with Andy and Evan. <laughs> I'm so sorry you had to after, sit through that after the geography B. Uh, yeah. So now we've determined that we don't know where Charleston is, but Andy knows where Spain and Italy are. I so. know where both of those places are, yes. Okay. And also know quite a bit about the wine from yes, each of those regions. Yes. That's what we'll do next. Now, um, So the coaching search, interesting. We already talked about Cameron uh, taking the all-time lead for Lou City in mm-hmm. their all-time goal scoring, which is awesome. I like us building team history. Yes. Uh it's going to be great when we move into the new stadium. I don't think there's any question or doubt about that. But I think that the more history the team has created, the better off it'll be. Having a title to go in there with us, being able to hang a banner the day the place mm-hmm. opens is great. Maybe having being able to put up Fondy's single-season goal-scoring record, yeah. being able to have, but also not having him just like be the history of Lou City right. scoring yeah. is nice. Uh, it'll be it'll be fun to create team legacy like this and. Cameron has put himself firmly into that conversation about Lou City and its history, and mm-hmm. I like that. Um, the last bit of purple stuff that I've got is this is where we briefly brush up against the U.S. Open Cup, where we uh, give it a little little reach around, uh, uh, a reach around the corner. Not I I got to edit that. Goodness, but no, a very brief discussion. That doesn't need to be edited. All right, first we'll leave it in. Um, no, where 
we're coming up on the U.S. Open Cup match. It's yes. exciting. We talked to George a little bit about trying not to look past it towards mm-hmm. what might be. Uh, but mostly what I want to say is that there, it appears that a few more tickets became available in the Lou City supporters section. Oh. They had been sold out, but now they're either expanding it or somebody returned theirs, something. And so uh, please, if you have the chance to go, mm-hmm. go. I, I think the Cooper's bus may be full up, but I will tell you, for all those listening, get excited. I'll be on that bus. If you have been saying to yourself, how can I spend some time with Evan Floyd, co-host sure of the In the House podcast? Says that. I'm pretty sure everybody says that. Even, your wife doesn't even say that. That's true. She doesn't. <laughs> So, if you're looking for a way to avoid Evan Floyd, do not get on the bus. But no, we're going to be making, I'm going to be making the trip up there. I'm really excited about it. The Coopers did an amazing job with their sponsors of helping to set that up for a reasonable price. I think they may be sold out, but if they are not, please get a hold of the Coopers and uh, try to get on the bus. It's like 30 bucks to get your seat on the bus and your seat at the stadium. and it might be the only chance we get to see him play in a quarterfinal U.S. Open Cup match for the foreseeable future yeah. against an MLS team with a chance to go to the Final Four where the last USL team left. It's exciting. And uh, you could actually tell from talking to George about it that they're excited about it. Yeah. They like strutting their stuff against, uh, against MLS teams, sort of saying, hey, you know, we're, we're the real deal. So get your, get your seats. Get your seats on the bus and in the stadium. It'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That's my last bit of purple stuff. Andy, you said you had something you wanted to banner about about and Greg. Banner. You said you wanted to banner about Greg. I did. Well, segue into banner. That was me segueing. Okay, well, it's a terrible segue. That was not my best segue, according to me. It's okay, to though. It's okay. So here's my question. All right. And we talked about this a little bit with George, and he told us what he could tell us. Mm-hmm. Right? About... Changes in the team and, you know, like, not changes in the team, but, like, strategy, stuff that we always wanted to try. And, like, we talked about it even outside, like, outside the interview. Do you ever see a time in this season, and really what I'm asking is, do you see a time before we get, before they announce our next coach, when somebody at some point says, okay, let's start Dobro and see what happens? So your question really is, do I envision a scenario where we bench Greg mm-hmm. and start Dobro? Yes. Barring a run of very bad form, no. Okay. Barring a run of very bad form, no. I think that Dobro is always there and ready. And maybe in practices, he or Hubbard, our third string guy, maybe they're, you know, dominating. But we have had a lot of success over the last two and a half years with mm-hmm. uh, Greg as our starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I don't think you can point to four games in two and a half seasons that he has blown for us. Right. Like, he's never the real problem. He doesn't let in howlers, is my real point, is that you don't, you're not going to see problems from him. He's solid, he's steady. And he showed this past week that he can be a real shot stopper. Yeah. Sometimes he's not brilliant at playing the ball out of the back. Uh, sometimes there's a save that you'd like to see him make that he mm-hmm. doesn't. But, I mean, I think that's that way with every keeper. Mm-hmm. And with goalkeepers, it's very much the backup quarterback concept. They always say that the backup quarterback is the most popular guy in town. 
because he's not throwing interceptions. The, even right. if you've got a really good quarterback, maybe the guy behind him is better. And that's, I think, the way that we all look at this. We've seen what Dobro can do. Yeah. Tim Dobrowolski is a very good goalkeeper. Yeah. He deserves a chance to start in the uh, USL, 100%. I do not anticipate, I don't see any universe in which all three of these keepers that we have right now are back next year. I don't think that's a possibility. Mm. One of them is leaving. Mm. Maybe two of them. Possibly all three. We're losing some of these guys because they're they're all too good. Yeah. Uh, and there's not enough playing time. But Greg has been successful enough and generally steady enough mm. that I don't think that you bench him. I think that you still let Dobrovolsky keep going in the U.S. Open Cup. I think we will see him start against the Chicago Fire. Mm-hmm. I think he's earned that with how mm-hmm. he's played in the Open Cup matches. But, I mean, shoot, if you go back to the D.C. United game, or the D.C. United game, the New <laughs> England, well, I, I did that a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was Andrew Oost gave me a hard time yeah. about it. But uh, who, by the way, was a great guest on the Final Judgment this week. If you haven't listened to Derby City Ultras podcast this week, they had Andrew on, and he was a great guest as usual. Um, No, against New England Revolution, the game that they played, uh, really one of the goals that was let in was a Dobro error. All keepers are going to have that. The real question is, do they have a bad run of form? Like, do we see two, three weeks in a row where Greg lets in a bad one. Maybe his hip is acting up just a little, just to the point where he mentions it in practice, has a bad week, then has a bad week of practice, and they go, hey, we're going to give Dobro the start tonight just to give you some more rest. Maybe, but I don't don't picture, unless things go very south on us, I don't picture you replacing Greg as our starter. I think he is the starter, and I think he will continue to be barring unforeseen circumstances. Do you think if for any reason he would ever listen to this podcast Mm -hmm. do you think he would fight me for asking no i think that think you'd be mad i think that george was a good illustration of this tonight was that these guys are professionals and i have no doubt that dobro and greg have a good relationship everybody on the team seems to yeah seems to yeah we don't see what that looks like in the locker room maybe those guys hate each other i don't think so it's never portrayed that way but he also knows that Tim wants his job. You know, that's a part of, that's a, the nature of the beast. He's the starter and Tim's the backup. And of course, there's there's some of that. Yeah. I don't think that any professional athlete, especially at this level, mm. would be upset to hear fans talking about, does that person deserve to play? Because that's a question they've got to ask themselves every day. Yeah. That's a question that their backups have got to ask them every day. That's a question their coaches are asking them every day. Yeah. So, no, I don't think he'd want to fight you over that. I think he'd want to say, no, man, I'm the starter because I'm better. Okay. Okay. So he's not going to be mad at me. So we can still be friends. No, no, he's going to hate you. Okay. Not because of this, just because of your personality. Well, that's fine. I just don't want it to be about this. No, okay. Yeah, as long as it's that. All right. And also, your wife's going to leave you for him. <laughs> Undoubtedly. So I'm not going to be mad at her for doing it. I'll be a little mad at her. I'll get it. I spent, I spent quite a bit of money on your wedding. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'll be a little mad at her. All right. I think that covers everything we needed to cover tonight. You got anything? What did you think of my banter? I thought it was good. I thought it was a good topic. Because Something we haven't covered at all. No, here's the thing. Why I'm especially proud of it Mm -hmm. is because I've never put forward 
uh, a subject for banter. No, no. That's usually sort of we either develop it organically from the subject of the day. Yeah. Or uh, I come prepackaged with one. Yeah. But no, today you just said, I got this. And I thought of it right then. And it was a good thing to talk about because realistically it's an important question. Your keeper is frequently the most important player on the field. Mm-hmm. And Greg, like I say, he won us a U.S. Open Cup. And a, a USL Cup, I'm sorry. But he won us a USL Cup and the way he did it was partially by being great in the PKs against New York. Yeah. Two amazing saves. <clears throat> and also just completely steady, solid play throughout both seasons. That that the that that game, those PKs were probably not even probably easily in my top three most stressful slash exciting times of my life. You've led a very vanilla life, my friend. I got wrapped up. In it. You you've skydived. It's different. Yeah. Different, I would imagine that's not stress, that's that's just like straight fear. Okay, like that's I might die. Yeah, I thought you might die during that, during the PKs. I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad I didn't too. I want to say a big thank you to George Davis the fourth. God, he was awesome, he was a blast, and uh, I, I feel super comfortable for however long these guys are the coaches. Especially if Luke and Paolo conduct themselves the way he does, I feel really confident that that, that locker room's in good hands. I hope that we have coaches, uh, a new coach soon, but not because I don't trust these guys, but because I want them to go back to just having to worry about kicking a soccer ball around yeah. instead of having to worry about every other little thing that coaches yeah. have to worry about. <clears throat> but George was great. I feel completely confident in him going forward. And I'm excited to see us play against Charleston, and uh, I'm excited to have our uh, trip to Chicago next week. This is this is exciting times. We're coming up. I mean, we're basically at the exact middle point of the season right yes. now. You would like to see us. I, I want to see like three or four more games go by, and then I want us to start building towards the playoffs. Yeah. Like, all right, now the U.S. Open Cup, for better or worse, is out of our system. Our injuries are health are healing. Let's start the home stretch, and it starts basically now. So let's let's get to it, and uh, I believe in our guys. So as we always say, go, go city. city.